You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, guys? Welcome into another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, If you are watching us on YouTube, you see, again, my co-host for the gotta be like ninth time in 10 episodes, Steve Buchanan, just out enjoying a a Friday in May, um, doing nothing, apparently. Uh, So we're bringing in more guests. Uh, I got Elliot Chris of... FTN bets joining me uh, and we're going to run through some NFL stuff. Elliot, thank you for jumping on the unreasonable odds podcast with us. Absolutely. I'm pumped to be here. You know, you needed another good looking co-host, right? And obviously Steve didn't fit that, that measure. So we need to have two good looking people on the show instead of the normal one. Yes. um, I mean, I was going to leave that part out, but thank you for covering (laughs) all bases. Um, All right. So, Let's jump right into it. Uh, you you are a big NFL draft, and I think drafts in general uh, betting guy. I'm a huge draft betting guy. Um, it's completely different than betting a game. It's just information-based, uh, timing things right, uh, whether it's getting something early or getting you know something from a, a source or a report that you put value in and um, – getting that bet in before before it moves too much based on the information we know uh so it's really more just you do your homework stay plugged in and uh it's tough not to make money on on drafts if you know what you're doing so just getting into the the nfl draft for for starters like what is kind of your your strategy going into a draft what are you looking for what um you know how early do you want to start betting it all those types of things Yeah, I mean, uh, the answer is I want to start betting it as early as possible, right? Because like you said, this is not like betting a game, right? Should I take the Chiefs at seven and a half still if I like them at seven? We're talking about should I still bet J.C. Horn at first defender at plus 150 when it opened all the way up at 20 to one? Mm -hmm. So these markets move uh, just an insane amount as information continues to pour out. Uh, Mac Jones opened up at 18 and a half, closed at three and a half, (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's a pretty absurd market. It's also something where you can lock in profit in a lot of different ways. Yep. Um, and, you know, DraftKings, I think, opened up Mac Jones 18 and a half. They were the first to open any draft prop. That was about two months out. Typically, they start to come out a little bit uh, around the combine, but there was no combine this year, which made it tough, right. right? And the odds would move about 30 minutes after pro days. So you could see that, you know, J.C. Horn ran a sub 4-4 and they, his odds haven't changed for a little bit. You can adjust to that or 
Jalen Phillips runs a four five five, right? And he's got an amazing three cone time. He tested like an elite athlete. Maybe plus three fifty is too long to be first defensive lineman drafted. He ended up closing at plus a hundred, right? So you can get little tidbits of that. Information is key. Knowing the source of that information, I think, is even more valuable. I've actually found the people who don't report things publicly to know a lot more because they get told right. by people uh, things that they know are not going to be public, as opposed to like, and this is not a knock on Adam Schefter's or Peter Schrager's or those kind of guys, right? They're, they're incredibly knowledgeable. They also get told a lot of things that teams want people to know publicly. Mm-hmm. And that's something you want to keep in mind when you're strategizing or across the board as well. And, you know, don't be, a, don't be scared to take middles as well, right? Like trying to get a game to land between eight and seven because you got it at, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, six and eight is like great, but that, that margin is so razor thin. NFL draft, I mean, you can get a guy under uh, – Terrace Marshall is a great example where, you know, he went all the way from 27.5 to 41.5. Now, he didn't end up middling, but that's just such a massive middle where that was kind of where his trajectory was. So you can just start putting yourself in so many great situations. So I really view the NFL draft more as an investment opportunity where you're constantly trying to make money and adjusting to market. So I'll have a lot more units at risk than any given Sunday or anything like that because – uh, to me, it's it's really just it's such a unique opportunity in a unique market. It really is, and and you you phrased all that very well. Um, and one of the things that I think like a casual fan will do maybe is like bet on a player that they that they like. Like I could see myself, I could see myself ten years ago doing this, just being like, oh, I love this prospect. I'm going to bet him under thirty and a half. And it's not based on information. It's just based on like what you think when you need to you know number one see how that how does that player grade out uh in in all of his testing uh number two how where are the realistic landing spots for for that player and in something like the nba that's not as much there a lot of it is is best player available especially at the top end of the draft nfl it's like okay we we knew the ravens were going to use one of those first round picks on a receiver like that was going to happen it was a huge need um so just keeping stuff like that in, in, in mind and then paying attention, like you said, to those reports, whether it's from bigger name guys, uh, which, you know, just to give an example, once that, that Rappaport report came out that the Niners were focused in on, it was either going to be Lance or Jones. I bet a bunch of, of Lance under six and a half. I bet a bunch of Lance to be drafted before fields um, because Mac Jones was never a guy that I, realistically bought was in the conversation there and we found out after the draft that was exactly the the case san francisco had no intentions of taking mac jones uh which is a whole another story for me here in (laughs) patriots country like uh, i'll just rant quickly on it now the the perception is that the patriots got a guy that was like oh this is a top three pick that slid to them that was never the case um and that just kind of shows the information that's out there how it can affect your you're betting because Mac Jones was never a top three pick. He was a name that was mentioned there as a smoke screen uh, and was never top three pick material. Um, it's almost to me, it was like, is he a back end first round pick or is he a second round pick? And so to me, this guy that, that slid to the Patriots, uh, the Patriots reached on him in, in my mind, 15 was a little early for, for Mac Jones, but everybody has that perception because of the draft prop number that got set because of a rumor that never had anything to it. So um, I think that kind of shows, uh, you know, 
some interesting information about just the perception on Mac Jones and some interesting information about what, you know, these reports that come out can do in terms of the perception of, of, of any player. Like, so did you wind up middle? I know you, you had Mac Jones under 18 and a half, right? But did you middle on the three and a half? Yeah, I got, I got Mac Jones under 18 and a half. Then I got him over three and a half at plus 200. And then, and then I also got him at plus 150 to be the third pick just in case, you know what I mean? Right. So I agree with you. Mac Jones went where he was always, I always thought he was going to go, you know, um, 19 and 20 were the bears in Washington, two very quarterback needy teams. One of those could kind of go up. And while I agree that Mac Jones is probably like a late first round prospect, uh, ultimately quarterbacks tend to kind of, they don't, yeah, they don't last it. that long, which, which moves them up the board. And your, your one point I think is probably the best of all of them. What you think of a prospect literally does not matter. Like unless Kyle Shanahan's calling you and saying like, do you like Trey Lance or Mac Jones? Like then sure. Yes. Your opinion legitimately matters, but you know, you saying like, Oh man, um, Kadarius Tony's not a first round pick. Like that's great. But <laughs> clearly a lot of teams had that great on him and whether or not you agree with him, if he's got a total of 33 and a half, there's probably value on his under. Exactly. So taking your, uh, People like to place bets, especially on games, based on their opinion, based on how they feel, you know, something is going to go. So, yeah, completely removing that when when betting drafts is extremely important. Um, it's probably also important when you're betting games, just so that you're not being too biased, but even more so in drafts. Um, okay, so let's go a little bit of like NFL draft uh, kind of fallout here. Um taking out any uh you know winnings or or anything um i guess like in the draft what were your your biggest takeaways your biggest winners your biggest losers uh from an nfl team standpoint i thought the chargers did a phenomenal job um just not only this draft but the entire offseason justin herbert was under pressure so much last year and then they get a potential all pro center. They get Rashawn Slater at 13 and then Asante Samuel, who was a fringe first rounder falls to them and replaces Casey Hayward. I think that team's ready to make a run. Um, we've seen Justin Herbert's odds drop from MVP from 25 to one to 20 to one. I still think there's some value there. I thought they did a great job. Uh, I thought Cleveland is like everyone has said Cleveland, right? Because um, they're, they're just such a loaded roster right now. And yeah. we can question whether or not Baker can get them there, though he performed so much better as the season went on last year. Um, and obviously was great as rookie year, terrible as sophomore year. But they don't really have many holes on that team now after getting, you know, a linebacker like JOK, uh, Greg Newsom. Like, they've just got so much talent. I, I love what they did. Um, I actually think the Giants deserve more credit than they're getting. Uh, I don't love Kadarius Tony at 20, but I do think that they picked up a first, third, and fourth next year. And if they would have done Aziz Ojolari at 20 and Kadarius Tony at 50, no one would have blinked an eye and thought it was great. And I don't think Daniel Jones is particularly good in getting him as many weapons as possible to, poss to succeed, I think is huge. Um, so I like what they did. I thought the Jets had an amazing process. And yes, I'm biased as a Jets fan, but also as a Jets fan, I've never seen them realize that you should build around your quarterback, right? Their first four picks are offense. They get 
the best guard in the draft. They get a great slot receiver in Elijah Moore, and they get a pass-catching guy in Michael Carter. So I really like that process. There were a lot of teams that had had good drafts as well. Um, the Bears getting going up and get Justin Fields. I mean, that to me, that's that's the home run decision of the draft. Yeah, I uh, just thought that was an absolute value. I really like what the Panthers did, especially how they want to play a lot of press man coverage. Um, and I think the the Broncos had a, a sneaky good draft too. Like, you're not going to be able to outscore the Chiefs and Chargers right now with that roster unless they get Aaron Rodgers, right? But yeah. if you have Sertan and Roby and Fuller and Callahan, you got four guys who can legit cover now. And you need at least that many against teams like the Chiefs and Chargers. So I thought that was a really good counterpunch to to what some of their divisional uh, rivals do well. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, the Broncos are in a tough spot. That was a team that I liked last year to kind of go over their win total, and things fell apart very quickly. Um, they're going to be a competitive team, and their their only choice, really, unless you think Drew Locke is going to be <laughs> – able to sling it with Mahomes and Herbert is to build the other way. And that is what they're, they're doing to go against the grain and kind of hopefully try and make themselves relevant in, in that division. Um, so that's any, I mean, any other, is there any other, I open the floor to, to you. Steve's a very strict host. I'm a, I'm a loose host. Is there anything else <laughs> NFL draft wise before we move kind of towards next season that you want to just share with with people that that jumps out to you whether it's in your your process of betting or anything specific that happened this year uh tracking the market and understanding where it's going i think it's incredibly helpful my process year over year to to get better and understanding what certain line moves and uh you mentioned sources right certain sources move lines when they say things certain sources don't Uh, understanding how the market's reacting to different reports i think is very good to understand the validity of different accounts in terms of are they market movers or not and not try to, you know, race to react to do that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's legit. It's a, it's a grind for six weeks, right? Eight weeks. It's, yeah. that's literally what it is, but you want to pay attention on what's working for you and what's not and reviewing your different processes. And, you know, maybe you crushed a bunch of different kinds of bets, but there's one thing that really you chase too many long shots on, you know, a team drafting offensive line or whatever it is, right? Like, uh, I think paying attention to your process, what's worked, what moved markets, I think is is very good for looking forward. I think like so the NFL draft has been has been good to me the last few years. Last year, I had a million more bets on it because we all had more time. There were no live sports going on. And I think one thing that, you know, an example that stands out to me is I, I doubled down on Jerry Judy to be the first wide receiver off the board. And that number one was probably given the information we were getting and, and CD lamb easily could have been the guy. He wound up being the guy that slipped rugs was kind of slowly growing on people because of the speed and the Tyree kill comps. That was one. I think that maybe I put a little bit of my personal judgment in and said, come on, like at a Judy is so much more polished. Nobody's going to bite on the speed um, of, of rugs there. And of course you leave it to the Raiders who do a <laughs> first round shocker every year. They use a first round pick on a guy that people have like in the third round of mock drafts seemingly every year. Um, and look what it did to me. So uh, that's, I think that's an, an example of probably my biggest mistake over the last couple of years that I, I regret in this draft process. Um, I mentioned how scatterbrained I am as a host. We play we play a game with our guests, and I forgot to do it off the top. So we, we just talked NFL draft. We're going to talk NFL futures. In between it, 
we're going to play Know You Better because I forgot to play it off the top of the show and I'm hosting today and I can do whatever I want. So, Elliot, uh, you without you don't need to say your, your amount or anything as our producer Samir slacks me and calls me an absolute clown. Doesn't matter. We're playing the game. Um, <laughs> this doesn't need to be by saying an amount, but just in your mind, your, your biggest win, it can be uh, your biggest win in terms of a dollar amount. It can be your most, uh, memorable win, whatever you want to throw here. Um, I think the one I'm going to go with was I, the, the year the Seahawks beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I had that, uh, as my Super Bowl pick, I think it was like 66 to one. And then I had the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl at 20 to one. So that was a very – and then they're – what, did they win 43 to 8 or something? Like, that was just yeah. a very fun day. Um, that one stands out. <laughs> yes. No, there was no sweat. You just – you're just like, oh, boy, here we go. This is just – this is everything. Yep. Um, all right. Your worst bad beat or your most aggravating bad beat. Most aggravating bad beat is uh, – I had a round robin. And it was the fifth one. And I had Chargers, or I had, sorry, I had Cardinals plus 10. And they were up three with 45 seconds to go. And then the 49ers scored a touchdown. The Cardinals got the ball back with like 15 seconds to go. They did the, the lateral play. And Larry threw it backwards to nobody. And then the, the 49ers recovered it. Uh, actually, I believe they recovered it on the ground. And the guy actually then had time to get up because the Cardinals just kind of gave up. Uh, and ran it back for a touchdown. So that one was painful. That would be an 11-point loss right there, I believe. Yep. Math serves me correct. That's tough. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> probably the uh, the best one that we've heard so far. Um, for you, obviously, the worst one. <laughs> my, bad, my bad beat, I share this a lot of weeks with guests because this one is kind of like just fate. There was nothing, no – I didn't even have to sweat the end of a game like that involved. Um DK Sportsbook has some good during like the course of the college basketball season. Like you can bet on who the one seeds will be. And so for the 2020 tournament, I took, I made a pretty big bet on Kansas plus 250 to get a one seed. Um, a week out from selection Sunday, Kansas was minus, I want to say 20,000 to get a one seed. They were, they were going to be the top overall seed in the entire tournament. Um, and then of course we didn't get a bracket because of COVID. So those bets just all voided. Um, that is the, there's bad beats in games. Like you just said, this is the one that is always going to stick in my mind because I won the bet and it just didn't count. Yeah, that's, um, that's brutal. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I was not happy. <laughs> um, COVID should have just come a week later. This one is great to ask all these analysts that we have on here. The worst advice you've ever given. Ooh, the worst advice I've ever given. Oh man. <laughs> um, the thing I've ever most been most wrong about in sports, I think, is um, that Josh Allen wasn't going to be good, and you should avoid him in all dynasty drafts. That's not a betting thing, right? Yeah, um, it yeah, it's it probably is. My Josh Allen take is not pretty. Bills fans enjoy searching the old ones and saying wild things to me. All right. There you go. Um, the teams that you have won and lost the most on. Teams that I've, the team that I lost the biggest opportunity on was Gonzaga this year 
where I was going to finish uh, fourth in the DK uh, bracket contest. I think that's what 75 grand. Um, if they won, <laughs> and there was zero chance of them winning their game that game that's from start the, to that's tail. your reverse sweat of the Seahawks Super Bowl. Yes, exactly. Where you're like, oh man, you get you get all excited. You're like, we're gonna have fun with this one, and then oh boy, it's thirteen nothing. <laughs> Um, the team I probably won the most on. So honestly, this is really random, but um, Houston football. When um, why am I blanking? The guy that just got fired from um, Texas when he was the head coach there. I had them uh, money line against uh, Oklahoma when they beat Baker. I had them huge when they beat uh, Louisville. I think they were like ten point underdogs in that game, and they ended up crushing them. Um, I won a lot of money on Houston when they were underdogs with Greg Ward. There you go. Um, I also had Gonzaga plus a thousand from, from preseason. I did do some hedging with Baylor with points, but not money line. I was a little bit regretful of, uh, how I handled that. Um, a team or a player or a coach that you will never back. If that exists, there's a number for everything. There's a number that can get you to bet on anything. But is there a team, a player, a coach that you see and you're just like, I'm not even going to get into this one? Um, I mean, Anthony Lynn is a coach I want no parts of. But I do believe that, like, there's – it's like there's a number for everybody, right? So there's, like, no one that I won't bet at all. But, like, live wagering in a close game with Anthony Lynn as a head coach is, like, a huge – I want no parts of that. All right, so we're we can we'll transition into that in a second because Anthony Lynn isn't Anthony Lynn a member of the Lions coach? Correct, he's the offensive coordinator there. Okay, he's the offensive coordinator, and the head coach is talking about how they're going to bite people's kneecaps to win games this season. That's a team that we're going to talk about when we transition into NFL uh, in a second. But last one here: any um, any trends or specific numbers that like you put more stock in or more valuable to you when you're, when you're betting games or that you, before you bet a game, you're like, I want to check on this before I get in. I don't really believe in trends that much. Like, especially like, you know, this team is nine and one on Thursday night football games in in November. I think those are like made up statistics that sound great. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite is when, you know, you see ESPN, they're like, Alabama is 5-0 and all time against this team. Last victory in 1972. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> thanks. Um, I mean, health really matters to me um, of different teams and, and really trying to understand, you know, what teams try to take away in football, right? Like, do they do they funnel targets underneath? Do they, do they get destroyed by big plays down the field? Do they struggle with speed? That, those kind of different things are huge for me. Um, and then, like, the health of the offensive line, I think, is so key in these games and get, often gets overlooked. I 100% agree with you with the, the offensive line. You can have a receiver ruled out um, that will, will move a number more than, you know, whoever is protecting your quarterback's blind side, and uh, one is much more valuable than the other, and it's not the guy that's in your fantasy lineup. Um, right. And people – people will not realize that. Um, okay. So we just mentioned the lions and I, I'll 
let that kind of start to transition us into the 2021 NFL season, because I've placed two bets so far. And one of those bets is the Lions. We're going up to 17 games this year. I don't care. I'm going under the five wins on the Lions at plus money. Um, because like you just said, Anthony Lynn is as close as it gets to somebody that you don't want to, to have your money riding on. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator of a team that just got Jared Goff, who was nothing special with the Rams. He just had a lot of talent around him. I would say, um, Stafford an upgrade there in my opinion. And you have the head coach, um, Dan Campbell. That's his name, right? I don't even, I think his name's Dan Campbell. Yep. Um, his press conference was something else. Uh, just somebody that doesn't, doesn't get it. The lions are going to be God awful. Uh, so I think I got plus plus one ten on those under five wins. That is something that I've bet so far. That is something that, uh, you know, that division, they'll be lucky to win a game. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers in a little bit, obviously that's, you know, assuming the Packers are, are good this year, but I, I don't, I guess, give me your, your reaction to my, to my lion's bet. And is there anything in the win total market that's kind of jumped out to you so far? Yeah. The only concern about the lion's bet is it's such a low number, right? (laughs) That it doesn't take much to get there. Six and 11 and you lose. Right. Um, And that's the tough thing too, is like the extra game, you know, you have to account for that in all these different things when you're looking at historical trends of different players and teams. Right. And you're, you don't really have data of what a 17 game season impacts on players health and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it is all a little tricky. That being said, the Lions have done a great job with their offensive line. Um, and they really shored up their defensive front with um, the two guys, their, their two uh, second round picks. Um, and or McNeil might've been at the top of the third. I think he was the top of the third, but regardless, uh, they were historically bad run defense last year. They're not a particularly good pass defense either. Uh, I know they drafted Akuda last year. Yeah, he was I was going to say, Akuda was supposed to help that, and it didn't. didn't really. I think you look at Jared Goff, who is not very good, and they have the worst receiving core in the NFL, right? Rashad Perryman's their number one receiver. Yeah. But I think they're going to struggle. Uh, I certainly wouldn't take the over. I would lean the under. Just When the number's that low, there's just, you know, one or two games can mess up everything on a, on a lucky bounce. Uh, a couple that stood out to me, and the numbers have moved in my favor, but I still think there's value. Uh, I mentioned the Chargers over nine. You know, Anthony Lynn in, in one-score games and close games just cost them so time and time and time and time again. Um, so just having a different coach, I think, gives them an extra couple wins, which already has them at this number. Plus, you get the second year of Justin Herbert, a team that struggled with offensive line that brought in three legit starters. Um, and, you know, they get guys like Derwin James back, right? And Kenneth Murray, their first-round pick last year, got hurt as well. They added Asante Samuel. I think the Chargers are a loaded roster. And I think Washington is getting slept on in the um, NFC East right now. It's, it's kind of – the odds are kind of the uh, Cowboys to lose, but I think there's still value in them to win the division, you know, and I think there's value at their over eight. Uh, Fitzpatrick is, you know, I think the fantasy community loves him a little bit more than they should. Uh, because his beard is awesome and, you know, he's a fun guy to watch, but he's a massive improvement over Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith and Tyler Heineke, right? Like he just is. Uh, He's not a great quarterback, but they had arguably the worst quarterback play in the league last year. And then their biggest weaknesses were wide receiver two. They added Curtis Samuel, who's a legit playmaker, Uh, cornerback two, and they added William Jackson, who's a great cornerback two and gives them a 
phenomenal pairing with Fuller when they already had that elite front four, right? And then Jameen Davis, I thought was, uh, you know, he's a 4-4 linebacker that can really cover sideline to sideline. I think their defense is legit going to be a top five unit. Their offense is going to be much improved from last year. Well, I think they're they're uh, a really good value team right now. I like it. And going back to your Chargers play, that's one that I'm a strong lean for me that I'm probably going to get involved with. And it's just hilarious that it's the flips, the the reverse Anthony Lynn impact that uh, just kind of boosts them up. You know, he's gone. Let's bet they're over. He goes here. I'm betting there. I'm betting they're under. So, um, yeah, condolences to Anthony Lynn there. Um the other one that I have bet so far has moved a lot in my favor. I got the Raiders under eight wins and I laid minus 135 on that. DK Sportsbook is currently showing minus 110 both ways on seven. So a full, a full win there. Um, I still kind of like it, but that's a pretty big one win, I guess. Um, but this team's not going nine and eight. They're not going over 500. Uh, we can start with the division that we talked about. We have Mahomes and Herbert. Uh, the Chiefs will win whatever the Chiefs win, 12 and five range type of team. Um, you like the Chargers over, and I, I tend to agree with you there. We talked about the Broncos building a little bit and maybe being winners in the draft, and they're a team that should improve this year just based on health alone, really. Uh, and then having a good draft helps them as well. Uh, then there's the Aaron Rodgers rumors, which we'll see if anything comes of it, but that's just a, a potential, uh, to make Denver a really dangerous team. And, uh, you know, then that just leaves the Raiders who like the strength of their team last year was the offensive line. And now it's somehow not, we just talked about how important offensive line is. They lost like several key members, um, of that offensive line that made them so good. So I, I just don't see it this year uh i don't see it this year with the raiders i don't see how they're they're you know i would have them somewhere around like that six and eleven range in my mind yeah i mean they lost rodney hunson they lost gabe jackson two very good interior offensive linemen richie incognito is now like 348 years old yes and um they yes they added leatherwood but that their first round pick was a particular second round guy. So uh, they definitely took a knock there. Um, I mean, it, it's really kind of the, how, how much do you think Derek Carr, he like plays three good games a year. Can he, can he get more than that? Right. I mean, they're the only team that beat the chiefs. They definitely got uh, like rugs is a guy that will scare teams, even though he's, I don't think he's ever going to reach the 11th pick status. And a guy like Darren Waller is literally as good as it gets. Right. They don't have many great players on defense either, uh, and I don't like John Gruden. So it's definitely not a team I would bet the over on. You got the best number. Honestly, it's it's one of those situations where I might pass on it at the current moment. Um, but, yeah, like – and then you add in the fact that if Rodgers does go that to the, that division, it seems like a pretty easy under because it's going to be the toughest division in football. Yeah, the only thing that I will – I'll, you know – take take a hit here on is that the Raiders were a rumored team for Aaron Rodgers uh, to a degree. And John Gruden, who I agreed uh, hilarious on Monday night football, not the best coach right now. Um, he is the type of guy that would give everything to get Aaron Rodgers, right? Like if there's a blockbuster trade for Aaron Rodgers, where you just give up the farm, 
I feel like Gruden's the type of guy that would just push all his chips into the middle and do that. So that would be ridiculously entertaining if it, if it happens, but I guess just worth mentioning there, if there's any cause for concern that the Raiders are a potential Aaron Rodgers suitor. I think they were on his list. If he has a list or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm not factoring that in. I'll still bet the Raiders on there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could, obviously it could happen. John Gruden got a 10 year contract for a hundred million dollars. That's basically, I do what I want, right? Like that's <laughs> so absolutely. He could try to go for it. I don't necessarily think Aaron Rodgers going for it makes sense with the way they've currently constructed their team, uh, but they might, they might try it uh, for sure. Uh, but I'm with you. Like I wouldn't factor that into my analysis other than saying that like it would, it would obviously hurt, but if, if the line is favoring them having a chance to get them and you don't think they're going to get them then there's value there. Okay. Speaking on Aaron Rodgers, um, some DK Sportsbook markets have Aaron Rodgers futures uh, available. The last I checked, he was minus 134, minus 136 to remain in Green Bay. Um, I can't quite see if that's moved right now. Um, what do you, I, I have like, you know, I've been asked about this a couple of times in the last week, and I have surprisingly cold takes like I don't I could see on one side I could see you know it's early in the offseason by the time we get there they kind of mend the bridge a little bit they maybe make him the highest paid player of all time or like whatever give him some kind of some kind of money that he just says all right fine I'm in I'm staying I could also see the other side where when you get out of Aaron Rodgers circle of trust you're out uh his family is out doesn't talk to his parents. He doesn't talk to his brother. So if you're the Packers and you make him mad and he says, I want out, he wants out. So I, I could see this going either way. And I would just say like, yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any strong take on just Rogers? It stays or leaves Green Bay. It doesn't matter where he goes. Uh, I think if he goes, it's probably the Broncos. Uh, I think they're going to end up keeping him. You know, it's just a situation of, it also really hurts in terms of a trade that it all happened after the draft or like right. the day of the draft, because now you're not, you're not talking about getting assets this year, you're talking about waiting and getting unknown assets the next year, which hurts the value of those assets. Now the argument's going to be that everyone said the 2022 class is more valuable because they'll have more information. Right. But like, if I'm looking at the Broncos who had a top nine pick next year and with Aaron Rodgers, they might have a, the 25th pick that's naturally more and, like, it's not even getting the pick before Aaron Rodgers gets traded. It's afterwards, right? right? And if you're saying that you're debating whether or not making him the highest-paid player of all time, like, there's no doubting his value and how how much he hurts the, the team's uh, future draft picks when he goes there. So I just think it's unlikely. I think those, there's going to be a stalemate. Uh, if I was the Packers, I would choose Aaron Rodgers over this GM. He hasn't done anything particularly good. I mean, last year he had arguably the worst draft class ever. Uh, in terms of a process, I think outside of AJ Dillon, the entire class played seven snaps. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. That is yeah. Wow. So like, you know, you, you're drafting backup tight ends and backup quarterbacks and third string running backs with your first three picks. It's like, what are we what are we doing here? Um, I also think that there's a lot of stuff leaking, and people are like, why would Rogers say that? Like, is Jake Kumro going to be the breaking point? Two, my two points on that would be one. If we think it's absurd that this is breaking publicly, it means it's probably getting leaked from the Packers side or things are getting said from the Packers side, not Rodgers. And two, the Jake Kumaro thing, I think people are missing the point on. 
Um, like if I go out publicly and say, man, I love this employee. Like this guy is the man. And the next day the company fires him. There's a 0% chance it's not correlated as, as like a shot at you that we're still like in charge. Right. And, you know, Rogers is very good at petty wars. And uh, <laughs> I just, it, it's going to be an interesting situation. I think it's going to get a lot uglier before it gets better. Um, but I don't think the Packers are in any hurry to try to trade him. I agree with that. They shouldn't be in a hurry to try and trade him. But that, like that point that you just said about, you know, letting somebody go the day after your star quarterback publicly in endorses them like that's the type of that's the type of thing that i can say i can see make rogers like leave at all costs or force his way out at all costs if he does wind up uh wind up leaving but yeah i'm with you i don't know why the i don't know why this isn't an easy decision to just can the gm and move on <laughs> find somebody that rogers wants and move on it's easy the guy literally just tanked an entire draft going trade up backup quarterback backup running back and then whatever like tight end fullback gadget weapon as your first three picks just get rid of that guy and find somebody rogers wants and move on it seems uh too easy um speaking on the quarterback position one more one more kind of futures tab the offseason specials tab on on dk sportsbook the week one starting quarterback futures that are starting to come out these really intrigue me to get to them early sometimes um to get a good number because some of these are going to really go up and then just go off the board i so let's here's what the one that i think is the best debate and we'll start with that we'll start with the chicago bears right now we're having uh right now we have andy dalton at minus 167 justin fields at plus 160 this opened dalton minus 200 i think so some fields money has come in and then nick Foles is you know the only quarterback that was on the roster last year that's still there is is there at plus 900 as an option um I think this is I, I think this would be Dalton. I'm not going to bet this. I think this would be Dalton and that Fields is a guy that's in there like by October, like week four, five, six, like he could be ready early. I don't think they start him right away, but I think there's enough of a chance that it happens that I wouldn't want to bet Dalton. Um, and especially with like, you know, Dalton's it's his first year with the team. It's not like it was his job. So it makes it easier to go with Fields. Um, I'll stay away, but any any take here? Yeah, I mean, he essentially has, what, a six-week head start of knowing the playbook on Justin Fields is, right. is what we're talking about. And can Justin Fields outperform him in practice and preseason games? I think absolutely. I think yes. some of these raw, uh, and this more applies to Lance, but the, the getting actual, you know, four to five preseason games in there as well this, this year and, and the full training camp and all that kind of stuff is going to be valuable for these young players as well. And we've seen teams that take quarterbacks in the top 11 they don't, they rarely sit them. I understand that Mahomes situation, right? And people love to point to Rodgers, but those are more outliers. These guys get on the field pretty quickly. So I would actually feel pretty good taking fields at plus 160. I do think it's more likely that, uh, or I think it's about 50-50 that Dalton starts, but at plus 160 at that point, right. it's, it's, you know, just a good value there. That makes sense. Um so you mentioned Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers are on the board here. I think this one is very interesting. Um, you also have, you know, a Josh Rosen plus 3,300 and eight Sudfeld plus 4,000 in the mix there. Trey Lance at plus 220 is out for me. There's no way Trey Lance starts week one. Um, 
if he could have a magical preseason, he's a young raw prospect that made 17 FCS starts and they took him because he seems like a very bright kid, bright future, all the talent in the world. They're not going to blow this by starting him week one. I just don't, they've said like, that's not why. One of the reasons that I felt confident that Lance was the pick and not Matt Jones is because one of the things the 49ers did kind of let slip initially when they traded up was that the idea is to have Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback and draft his long-term replacement. Um, and that felt more like a Lance than a Matt Jones. I, the one thing that scares me is like Jimmy Garoppolo could get hurt in preseason. He, he has an injury history, but like I will lay the minus 278 here on Jimmy Garoppolo because the 49ers have said that is the plan. Like if the 49ers had their way this season, I, I think they probably try to make the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. And this could be going, they would be happy going to Trey Lance in 2022 with a whole red shirt year under his belt and just giving him a clean slate. Um, am I overly confident here? Um, I think the fact that they traded up to the third overall pick means that Trey Lance is going to see the field this year for sure at some point. Okay. I also just think Jimmy Garoppolo is one of these guys that's so limited and Kyle Shanahan has tried to protect him so much. I mean, remember that when they went on that run to go to the Super Bowl, it was like Jimmy G was throwing like nine passes a game. Yeah. Like, I think he threw eight passes in that Green Bay win by whatever that was, like 20, 30 point win against Green right. Bay. Right. Like, I just, I think that they understand that he's going to limit them. And it depends on obviously on how well Lance, the, how quickly Lance develops. And Kyle feels like, you know, that added dimension of the run game with his legs and everything, they feel like he can kind of come in. I think it's more likely he ends up starting week three or four. It was, it was interesting, though. Both McShay and Daniel Jeremiah said that um, after Wilson and Lawrence, that they thought Lance was the guy most likely to start week one. Interesting. Um, I don't see him starting week one, but Adam, maybe I'll be wrong here. This brings us to another heavily juiced one, another team that took the rookie quarterback high. The New England Patriots, um, Cam Newton minus 286, Matt Jones plus 300, Jarrett Stidham plus 800. If Bill Belichick didn't play Jarrett Stidham down the stretch last season, he's not going to play him ever. Um, so you can just I know it's plus 800 and you probably look past it anyway, but you can throw that one right in the trash. Everything. This is my, this is the most confident one for me. Give me the 280 minus 286 with cam. I will lay it. Um, it's, it's juiced up, but you know, if you're afraid of the juice, like in draft props, if you're afraid of the juice on something that we know is going to be a winner, then you're just not going to win uh, an easy bet. I think this is an easy bet. Bill Belichick says the job is cam Newton's. They re-signed him after – I don't care what he looked like last year, but they, they re-signed him after that and, and brought plenty more weapons in. Mac Jones is, you know – I was surprised the Patriots took Mac Jones. I think that was more of an ownership pick to sell the fan base on, okay, we, we now have a guy long-term to replace Brady, so you can stop talking about that. Uh, more than a Belichick pick, I think Belichick would have preferred to trade back, as he usually does, use it on some other positional players he likes – and get a Kellen Mond or a Mills or whoever in the third round. Um, so I, that, this team is going to be much improved. The Patriots could easily be a playoff team. I, I, I could see Cam Newton playing the whole season, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. Cam Newton, minus, uh, no one likes laying 286, especially on a future bet where that's going to tie I, up <laughs> it's a May lot of money. 
It's May seventh. Yeah. Do you want to lay the minus two eighty six? It's going to pay out in four months. Like it doesn't. It just doesn't feel good. But this is going to win. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. Like, yes, I thought it was pretty obvious the Patriots were going to take a quarterback just based on the way they designed their entire offseason by spending on a lot of veterans. And the best way you can do that is have a rookie quarterback's contract, right? But ultimately, they tried to build this offense around Cam Newton's strength with the double tight ends and everything else with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about building like Cam because Cam has, you know, he's he's flashy, right? But Bill came out afterwards, said how much he liked him and re-signed him. Um, and then the offensive moves in the, uh, the offseason, right, whether it's Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, or Johnny Smith, all pointed to Cam Newton as the starter. Yeah. Uh, Mac, I think Mac, you mentioned Trey Lance doesn't have a lot of starts. Mac Jones doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of college starts either. I know, you know they won the national title, but that's kind of it for him, right? So uh, I think Cam is – I would have set this closer to like minus 500 than minus 286. So I think there's absolute value. The biggest question is are you willing to kind of you know, hold that 2.86 units to win one unit bet up for four months? Exactly. That is the, uh, the dilemma there. Um, okay. So before we get out of here, um, the floor is yours, I guess I'm going to give it's, it's Friday, May 7th. So I'm going to give a, an NBA play on, on the record for tonight, but is there any, uh, official, the floor is yours to give a, a play to the people. Um, and I know, I think you're looking at, at NFL futures still, which is, which is fine. Yeah. I, uh, player totals. Uh, DraftKings has Zach Wilson up at 300 or 3,800 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, only two quarterbacks who played 16 games last year went under this number. And he's projected to play, you know, he's he's going to start week one. Yeah. James Morgan is not beating him out. And now they play 17 games. They address their offense. They've got uh, PFF just make graded them the, the most improved wide receiver core in the, the NFL. Now, that's not really a huge accomplishment from what they had, but adding Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole to Denzel Mims and, and Jamison Crowder, there's there's now some guys that can make some plays on that team, and they still don't have any corners at all, right? They've got a much better coaching staff than Adam Gase as as well, right, with, with Robert Sala. Uh, I, I think this is a team that right now they're – what they're plus 133 to go over six and a half so they the game script should be there a lot he basically just needs to not get hurt and not be the absolute worst because they're not going to just have him sit out there and throw like 14 times a game and pound michael carter and the the michael p ryan right and kevin coleman so i just think this number is too low for a 17 game season where you're, you're talking about a quarterback that needs to average in today's nfl 220 yards a game easy (laughs) um i i'm with you as much as i would love to watch uh you and your jets fans just sob because wilson gets benched because he's that bad i don't even think he can play bad enough to get benched like i think you're only i think you're only out here as an injury um so i don't even think poor play uh comes into factor here and if the jets are that bad where you know, he's that bad, then you're going to be slinging from behind in games and you're going to have those 150 yard fourth quarters where you lose by 17 and it's going to get you to the number. So there's so many ways to get there. And the only way not to is really an injury, I think. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, So I, I, I do, I do like that one. I'm not a huge Zach Wilson guy, but I like that 
prop a lot. Um, getting out of here with some Friday NBA. Um, betting these games is ridiculous, especially trying to do it early in the day. Like the NBA is going to be a mess until we get to the postseason. Uh, I'm going back to a couple of props that we've been on in the NBA Best Bets article on DK Playbook this week. Celtics, Jason Tatum, over 28 and a half points. We did this on Wednesday. The Celtics beat the Magic by like 40, and he had 27 points and sat the last nine or 10 minutes of the game. Those are the worst. Those stink. Um, But it's a close four-point spread on the road against the Bulls here. He averages over 30 a game with Jalen Brown out of the lineup. And just personally, the dude's been on a tear uh, over the last month or so. 53 on the Timberwolves, 60 on the Spurs, 44 on the Warriors. Uh, so I'm going to keep riding the Jason Tatum train after the, the rough loss the other night and bet the over uh, 28 and a half points on Jason Tatum. Um, and we'll have a couple more NBA plays in the NBA Best Bets article on the DK Playbook today on Friday, May 7th. Um, That pretty much does it. Maybe Steve Buchanan will be back in the future at some point in time. But in the meantime, thank you to Elliot Christ of FTN Bets for joining us here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, That was great, man. Appreciate the the insight. Love to get some NFL uh, in there in May. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's NFL is a 365-day sport, right? Even if they're not playing it for a while. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Correct. Um, All right. We will be back. Uh, I think Steve actually even is going to be back next week. Uh, We're going to do a bunch of MLB. um, And then the following week, we will be getting to some NBA playoffs. So thank you guys for tuning in and more good stuff to come on Unreasonable Odds. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.